one of the big ahas I had when you were talking before, when we've had this conversation before is like communicating when a good time is with yes. because we were talking about, you're like at night. And I think a lot of us, I mean, there's jokes about this and scenes and movies of like, you've taken off your makeup. You don't yeah. feel as confident. Your mouth guard is in yeah. and you're wearing like <laughs> not cute, sexy pajamas. Exactly. Literally, like I have gotten through 10 minutes of me going into my very personal cocoon of sleep. Exactly. And then you lay down in your bed and then all of a sudden the hand goes on your boob or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> exactly. But I'm like, I don't feel sexy right now. Hello there. Welcome to the Thriving Family Podcast. It's Teresa and Barbara, and we're so happy you're here. We're grateful that you're taking the time to hang out with us in a supportive space to fill your cup and elevate your life. We are here to remind you that you are amazing and you are needed and that you are the rock star of your family and household. Consider us your cheerleaders and all things that bring joy into your life. As your friends, no subject is off limits. We have conversations with amazing guests and experts in all areas, including awkward subjects that not a lot of people talk about. Anything from finding your joy and inspiring possibilities to anti-aging tips and spicing up our sex lives. And relationships, self-love and confidence, especially relating to school age and older kids. If you're at the baby, toddler or kindergarten stage, check out the Baby Bump to Littles podcast. We're your friends and your community because we're on this journey together. It takes a village and we're here to remind you that we're never alone in parenting. This podcast is made possible by amazing listeners like you, and we provide new content on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week. Follow us on Instagram at Thriving Family Podcast for daily reminders and fun ideas. Subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Leave a review and share it with someone who needs to hear it. Let's get started creating the life we want. Hi friends, today's episode is so good. We are talking about intimacy with our partners. Yep, the conversation you can't have with your friends, we're having today with the best Paige Dunbar. She is amazing. She's been married for 30 years and she and her husband are very open and generous with their struggles in their marriage of keeping just connected through intimacy and many other things. And they went to a therapist and spent a lot of money and she's on sharing all the tips with us today. And I just love her for her vulnerability and just how generous she is in all the helpful tips and things that she and her husband did to make such a thriving relationship that they have today. And so I hope you get a lot out of this. This is so good. It was, I had so many aha moments, so much, many things that I want to start implementing. So anyone you know that this episode would serve, please share with them and enjoy. I love talking about this topic with you because I feel like marriage is something that is kind of taboo to talk about. I can talk to some of my good friends with, but there's so many facets. And especially when you're not feeling as connected to your partner or in that happy zone, it's hard. It's hard to go, wait, how do we get back? And you were one of the first people that talked about it in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so refreshing. You're touching on all these big things. And through your experiences, I felt like I was okay. I was normal and uh, it just was so helpful. And would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey and kind of how you 
our this awesome wealth of knowledge and experience. In okay, well, first of all, I always have my disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I'm not a marriage and family therapist. I have no background. So, but I have a lot of experience and I have had a very imperfect marriage, a long, long imperfect marriage. We just celebrated. It's funny because we were arguing about it earlier. We've been together for 30 years in January and then we just celebrated our 27th anniversary. So, so, um, and we have all never been shy about getting help. So that is my number one piece of advice for anyone who is struggling in their marriage. Do not be afraid to get help. There are so many wonderful marriage counselors out there. There's also some not so wonderful, um, but there's some really great marriage counselors out there. And I have found, Barbara, unlike any other topic in the world, marriage is the one that terrifies people. It is so terrifying to talk about because talking about it shines a light and it's really scary because it's the one area I think um, of our lives and um, especially as it relates to our parenting of like, oh shit, what if I can't make this work? What if, what if we're not going to work? What if we don't love each other? What if he doesn't love me anymore? What if I don't love him anymore? I mean, those are like fundamental, very frightening realities that happen in marriages. So my husband and I hit a really, really rough spot. We were married for 12 years. No, 10, I guess it was about 10 years. And, um, we had, we were just in a, in a pressure cooker situation and I, and it just sort of, a lot of it was circumstantial. It was a lot of moves. It was a lot of, um, you know, job change, um, you know, moving from Northern to Southern California and then moving three times, you know, in, in a year, um, a lot of babies, you know, that my kids were all very close in age. So, you know, I, one was, was two and I was eight months pregnant and then, you know, she was crawling and I found out I was pregnant again. And so it was a lot of, um, you know, just major life change. And we just hit a place that we didn't feel we could ever get out of. And the stress of, I know that stress so well, and I, and I remember it so well, it's overwhelming and, um, it can really, it can just really deteriorate. Your relationship can deteriorate so quickly and you can deteriorate as a person so quickly. Um, so I think that all those things were happening. We found a marriage counselor and our goal, believe it or not, was to get a divorce. But we wanted to do it in the best way possible. We wanted to do it in the nicest way possible. And we wanted to do it in a way that would least harm our children. And by the grace of God, going to this very skilled, amazing marriage counselor, it ended up saving our marriage. And so what what I loved about her approach and what I think is missing in a lot of marriage counseling is... I think it tends to be, can tend to be sort of skill-based, you know, sort of, this is how we listen. This is what active listening is, but you're missing the, the vulnerability piece. You're missing the connection piece of, um, you know, the, the universal question that we come into the world with, which is, are you there for me? 
do I matter? Do you value me? Can I count on you? Those are all sort of essential pieces of what what we are after in a, in a marriage partner, right? So I think that in, unless you're with a skilled professional who can really help, uh, especially men, not always, but especially men have such a hard time. I remember, you know, she used to say that, that he, you know, he's, my husband would stay like neck and above, you know, like everything was like right here. It was all reason. It was all, you know, pragmatic. It was all, it took months for her to get him to go deeper and to talk about how he was feeling. And more importantly, how my actions were hurting him. And when that started to come out, I mean, it's just like your heart just explodes open and you, you see everything so differently. And you, you, I realized in, in working with her that, wow, I had no idea how much I was hurting him how painful it was for him to live with me and how my actions, my words, you know, all of it, I was, you know, pushing him away. And so for me, that was, that was really pivotal, sort of being able to, to, to see his hurt and his pain, because we're not good at that. You know, we're not good at expressing that, right? We express anger because that's easy and it feels good to release the the anger and to you know to rage at one another which we did a lot. My favorite was always to get in my car and driveway really fast. Just made right. me feel so good. <laughs> Even though it was super dangerous, but so anyway, so 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 that that is one piece that I that I like to share because I I think um it makes a big difference. And then we sort of went down this road of learning learning more about adult attachment and and that too is something it's probably too much you know to get into i mean maybe we it could be a whole separate conversation maybe just you know kind of highlighting our different um adult attachment styles this is and honestly be- i mean Paige, you know i want more that i would love to do a marriage series because there's it's not just a one episode conversation i think it's right. a thing like you were saying, and I love handling the topics that no one seems to talk about, which are huge, fundamental, foundational day-to-day things that could be a huge issue. Right. And when you were open with me and when I've been open with my friends about that, Hey, it's not perfect. And this is how we've gotten through it. Or these are the things we've done people. It's like, they're so grateful. And I, I don't, I mean, I would feel like nine out of 10 people out there could expand and have more of a relationship they're in love with. I feel like Brian and I have been married for so long. Like you guys are too. It's it's cyclical. Yeah. Different things come into your life. And so, sure. so there's always these parts where it's like, sometimes you're like, you know, gone away. And sometimes you're like connected, but right. when you're away, it's like, just good to be like, Oh, it could be this. Let's work on this. And Exactly. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just talk? Let me just give a few, let me just touch on a few things and let's save because adult attachment theory is fascinating. And I think that that is probably the most transformative 
type of marriage therapy that anyone can do. Okay, so cool. we could, we could do just a yeah, whole separate thing on that. Um, because we, there's even like a little quiz that you can take to determine what your attachment style is. Okay. And it's just, it's fascinating because once you learn what your attachment style is and what your husband's attachment style is, it really informs how you navigate conflict, okay. especially conflict, but also just being in the world. So but but let's get back to just talking about um, sort of general what I've learned that's been the most helpful in my marriage. And that is, um, you know, the, the first thing that we just talked about is sort of finding a, a, a therapist that can facilitate really good conversation where you're not sort of going through your list of, you know, nags and you don't listen, but really having, I mean, there would be long, awkward moments of silence and I would in the room, you know, and I would kind of be looking at the therapist, like, okay, what's next? Like, what are we going to, you know, are you going to fill this? Like, are you going to talk? Are you going to, are we just going to sit here and cry? Um, but there was a lot of healing that happens. So, um, so, so, the the other the other piece of this is um an, another another person that I love a lot. So Sue Johnson is a she's she does emotional focus therapy and she's a per, I've read all of her books and I've followed her work very closely and it's been very helpful to understand in my own marriage. The other is John Gottman. He's okay. sort of he and his wife are sort of pioneers. I think they're in your area actually. They're in the Northwest, but they have the Gottman Institute and they've done a lot, you know, I love all the research and studies and things like that. So, but there, are, I, I read a study years ago that I thought was so interesting about what they find are the, the indicators of lasting, happy, healthy marriages. And it sort of boils down to attunement and kindness. So what they refer to are the ways that we try to get each other's attention. And it's, it's funny because I, we do this all day long. They call them bids that we make bids for our partner's attention. And we do it with very sort of benign commentary. It's usually commentary about something. So this is an example. My husband, we share a closet. And he, it's funny because he, he always teases me because I love to run things by him. Like, should I wear this shirt or this shirt? You know? And then he laughs because he goes, you're just going to wear whatever you want anyway. But I like that one, you know? So I like to run my outfit choices by him. So, um, so this morning I was getting ready, you know, from the neck up <laughs> for this for today. <laughs> but you nailed it. You look beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. So he, I, so I go in the closet and he's in the closet. And I said to myself, gosh, I don't know what shirt I should wear today. And I caught myself because what I was doing was I was making a bid for his attention. I was making a bid, even though it's so benign and it seems so little, but I was making a bid for his attention. And what I'm really looking for is emotional connection in the tiniest way. But yeah. you can see where, and start noticing yourself doing it. When we make a comment out loud or a commentary, the other day we were walking up the, the sidewalk and I noticed him doing it. He loves birds. He actually, he's, he hunts fowl, waterfowl. So he, he loves, you know, to see a dove land on our lawn is like a really big deal for him. To me, no, 
I could care less about a dove and I don't eat them. But anyway, you know, so we're, so we're walking up the driveway and, and he completely makes this big deal out of this dove. Well, he had just gotten home from a weekend away. He wasn't, it wasn't really about the dove. It was more about, are you listening to me? Are you there for me? Are you with me on this? Do you share this interest with me? Right? So, so what we do is we either turn towards or we turn away. And we do the same thing with our kids, especially our teenagers. Right. So it's a good conversation to have. And it really dovetails into the whole conversation about our teens, because it's really the same thing. You know, we are constantly in our marriages making bids throughout the day. And you have the decision to make half a dozen times a day, whether you turn towards or whether you turn away. So what they find is that the happiest couples with the most longevity and that report the most happiness um, and satisfaction in their marriages are the ones that, in fact, turn towards almost 90% of the time. So what that means is that it it requires a, a, a level of kindness and generosity because when you are uninterested preoccupied, distracted, stressed, tired, all those things, which we are, you know, most of the time when we have kids living under our roof, whatever their ages are, it doesn't matter, right? Yes. You know, you you have to make the decision and the choice of am I going to am I going to be here with you and share this interest and drop what I'm doing and comment on the the bird is he going to drop what he's doing and comment on my shirt choice or am I going to feel alone? And, and when you really drill down, that's what it ends up being is the feeling of being alone because they're not paying attention to you. They're not, they're not attuning to you, even in the most little minuscule way. So if we can have the kindness and the general, it's really generosity of spirit when you think about it, because it's not, it's like, you know, loving someone when you love them is easy, but loving someone when you're mad at them or loving someone when you're in a bad place yourself is much harder. So it is, it can be a really tall task of like, you know, putting down what you, what's important to you in that moment, putting your own feelings aside, turning towards your partner and saying, yeah, wow. That's, that's really interesting. Look how beautiful that bird is, or, you know, look at their eyes. They look human almost, you know, and, and I, and I, in that, in that moment, I made that choice of doing that, you know, so, so those things are much more important than we realize. And And it, and it is overwhelmingly, the research shows it's as simple as kindness and you know, being able, being there for your spouse, responding in a way that is kind, that is, you know, showing interest. It sounds so simple, but it's, but it's sort of what it all boils down to really. And it's sort of back to that conversation of like how we are with our friends, as opposed to how we are with our, with our partners, you know, we can be so much kinder. Yes. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring that up because that is so good is how we should treat our family like we treat our friends because it is with that kindness. And I think with family, we just kind of assume they're there and they have to be. Mm -hmm. It's subconsciously, but that's not how we want to be treated. And so when we come that with that of how we treat our friends and interested in what they're talking about, it's such a good broader and a picture that you paint about it. So I love that you brought that up again, because it is so true. And, you know, they, they have also done um, studies where, you know, they, they watch these couples interact and it's really interesting. They look at their physiology and, and, you know, they either respond in, in kindness to one another or contempt, which is, you know, criticism. And what they find is that the Gottmans refer to them as the masters and the disasters. So the, the masters are the, the, you know, the couples that have long-term relationships, happy long-term relationships. Uh-huh. Um, and then the disasters are obviously the ones that don't. So he, but they say that the, that the masters are very astute at scanning their environment all the time for things that they can appreciate about the other person, as opposed to scanning their envi- environment for their partner's mistakes, for their you know, um, misgivings for the things that they don't do right, you know, the criticisms. So yeah. it's really just a difference in in mindset. Yeah. And there's also this notion of kindness can be a fixed trait in people. You know, there are people that are just, I would say that my husband is extremely kind. I, I'm so fortunate because he he's just kind, you know, very kind, very thoughtful, you know, gets my coffee first you know, always asks me when he's, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, making his plate. Can I make you a plate, you know, making eggs? Would you like some eggs too? He's just, that's just the way he is. So in him, I would say that it is kind of a fixed trait, but in other people, it's not, it's more like a muscle that we have to use. And, you know, the, the more, and they, and there's a lot of studies that show the more, that the more that we exhibit kindness in our homes, with our children, with our spouses, the more we receive it and the more it sort of just builds in your environment. So, you know, the the more that that your children are witnessing your kindness to one another, the more that they are apt to be kind to their friends, to one another. So, it, it really is sort of a muscle that that you have to just keep exercising and you sort of have to be aware of making that choice of like, hmm, am I going to say it in this way or am I going to say it in this way? Right. And, you know, a lot of healthy marriages, those partners are are choosing and and very intentional about how they say things. Um, to one another. And, and, uh, but again, it all boils down to kindness. Right. Right. And I, I think this is so huge. I remember when Brian and I, and then kids, you know, marriage, easy kids, all the chaos. And I started finding myself being really frustrated and angry at him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really, I mean, we, you know, I think every marriage is stronger when you get through these things. But I remember just realizing, oh, well, what can I control? I can control me. And I, and then I started 
coming from a place of gratitude and like controlling how I looked at him and like focusing on all the awesome stuff and why I married this guy in the first place. Right. And if he wasn't doing everything I wanted, I was just coming with more kindness. Like I changed my lenses. I was like, oh no, I'm going to see it in a different light. And I've actually talked to other friends about that too, when they were in a bad spot. And I was like, Hey, what if you focus on you and you get your own, like what brings you joy and work out and do, do this self-care, do whatever brings you joy, Absolutely, and you a little grace. And it's not always easy. There's things that come up. Everybody's human. We make mistakes, but that really, really helped me. And I love that you said that because it is those little things in a day. It is, it is. I mean, how many times you bring that up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, the other day I did this and Oh, and yeah. he didn't respond. And I was like, Oh, you know, Right. But he does enough of the kindness that it's like he, the bucket wasn't empty. I was fine. Right. Right. But it's so true. And I don't think people realize, I think they think it's these big things, right. but it's a lot of little things that add up. Right. It is. It is. The well, those, those are the things It's the, those little things, those moments of not attuning to each other yeah. that, that create distance yeah. in the relationship. So then when you are in a distanced place, that's where the real work comes in, because now you have to make yourself so vulnerable and being able to say, I feel really, really unimportant to you right now. I don't feel seen by you. I don't feel heard by you. I feel like I have half your attention. You know, however you want to say it, I don't want to get bogged down with the skill set. Again, I don't find it effective. I think it misses the mark when we focus too much on how we say things and how you use, you know, use I statements. And I think we get really bogged down in all of that and all of these rules of communication and all of these rules of engagement. I mean, certainly there are ways to fight. And I think it's important to, to know what, you know, to have some strategies and we could do that too in a, in a follow-up conversation, sort of go through, you know, some, some, um, kind of ground rules for, for effective fighting because fighting is so important and it's so good for a healthy relationship to be able to fight, um, making sure that the way that you're fighting, because a lot of couples will avoid it altogether, particularly if that's a whole attachment style in and of itself, it's called avoidance, you know? So (laughs) a lot of people just avoid it altogether, avoid the conflict, right? And then the other, there's, you know, another, the other extreme, which is, you know, not fighting fair, saying things that are hurtful that you can never, ever, ever undo. And it really can create some, some massive damage to your relationship over time. I would love to expand on that later. Yeah. 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 But we, but we just, we, we get into these little dances with our, with our partners. It's just a dance. Yeah. You know, and it starts with this little break in connection and then you're sort of, you know, distanced and then you you are sort of over here trying to get attention or he's trying to get your attention, but you're, you, you're, you know, you're, you're missing each other. So sometimes it's healthy and helpful to just say, we are really, are you feeling this? We are really missing each other. Our therapist even taught us to say, oh, that's happening again. We don't even have to rehash it. We don't even have to go through all the feelings that are attached to it, but just to be able to raise your hand and go, oh, no, this is happening again. Do you see what's happening? Do you see what we're doing here? And then you both go, okay, let's take a deep breath and we're going to come back and regroup in five minutes. And then you come back and you go, okay, let's stop 
let's stop doing this. This is what I need. Can you do that? That communication of like, yeah, or we need a date night or I just want to be with you. Right. Or, you know, just anything like that. I, that is super helpful of not unpacking all the verbiage and everything, but just something super little of like, Hey, yeah, I'm feeling a little disconnected. Let's, you know, yep. exactly. Or whatever. And a big part, I love how you handle this topic and definitely something a lot of people you don't even talk to uh, with your closest friends, <laughs> drum roll. <laughs> Yeah. Intimacy and how your sexual relationship is with your husband. Yeah. And how to keep it where, because it does evolve. It's like, you know, you at the beginning and then through kids. And then yep. it's, it's such a important part of your relationship. Right. And I, I love how you handle this topic and the tips you kind of have around it, which I think are really helpful. I had so many ahas when you talked about it. You did. I wish I could remember what I said. No, I'll remind you, but we, (laughs) (laughs) but will you, cause it is, it's like a big part of your relationship and people don't talk about it. So I think it's so good to cover and kind of those check-ins of that connection there. And yeah. How did you guys deal with that? Cause I I love how you cover that. Yes, this is this is such a biggie. And I do remember, you know, doing this. I think there's so many things to think about. And so let's talk about uh, let's talk about sexual intimacy. And one thing that I have learned is that our desire is not fixed. It's not just, you know, I'm not as sexual as my husband or my husband's not as sexual as me. I think you have to take in mind all of the other factors. And I, I I hope that this is what you're talking about. There's sort of um, things to think about, like initiation, you know, who initiates, how do you initiate? Is it predictable? What's the pattern? Does someone, is there kind of an approach avoidance pattern where, you know, um, that's the way it is in my marriage. (laughs) It's a little bit of an approach avoidance. And I don't want to share too much about, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but we've had to work really hard on how, you know, what works for me and what works for my husband. And, and honestly, just talking about it, like literally setting aside time and it's awkward a little bit until you do it. And then you realize this is so easy to talk about. Why don't we do this more? You know, when you initiate in this way, I don't like it. It makes me feel like a little kid pulling on my skirt. It reminds me of my child, right? So being able to say, this doesn't work for me. And then they're able to say, this doesn't work for me. And when I do initiate and you, because so much of what happens in this realm of sexual intimacy is rejection, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of this boils down to is, uh, oh wait, is rejection. So when you know, when, when the other partner is initiating, you might not like the way the initiation is happening and you might want that done differently, but when you reject it, they feel rejection. That's all there is to it. So that's something that I learned that I have to be really, really careful about is even if it's not that, and I'm not ever suggesting to have sex with your husband or your partner when you don't want to. No, I'm not ever suggesting that. I am suggesting that we have to be mindful of rejection and how that feels. And sometimes it's us. Yeah. So, you know, when when you have a lot of rejection, 
it's it's more effective, more helpful to just talk about that, not in the moment, right? Like talk about it when you go out for dinner and just say, hey, I want to talk about this. I, I know that it probably comes across as though I've not wanted to have sex. And here's the reason why. I think it might be because of X, Y, and Z. Because, you know, there's internal factors that affect our sex drive and our sex life. And then there's also the external factors, like the internal factors are hormones, right? Where where you are in your cycle, um, yeah. our own body image, how, how we view our own body. Is that something you can talk to your partner about? I mean, can you talk to them about that? You know, I'm really self-conscious about this and I'm sorry that I like to keep my bra on or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that might be, am I getting too? No, I love, I think this is so because I, it's the, when we get real and we talk about all the things, even with the bra on or whatever the thing is, yes. that's when people are like, oh, that's totally me or it's relatable and it's real and authentic. So I, yes, all the things I okay. Okay. never too. Okay. That's, I, I think that's the most helpful. And, um, I love yeah. that one of the big ahas I had when you were talking before, when we've had this conversation before is like communicating when a good time is yes. with because we were talking about, you're like at night. And I think a lot of us, I mean, there's jokes about this and scenes and movies of like, you've taken off your makeup. You don't yeah. feel as confident. Your mouth guard is in yeah. and you're wearing like <laughs> not cute, sexy pajamas. Exactly. Really, like I have gotten through ten minutes of me going into my very personal cocoon of sleep, exactly. and then you lay down in your bed, and then all of a sudden the hand goes on your boob or whatever, exactly. and you're like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I'm like, I don't feel sexy right now. Like you right. want this? You really want this? Yes, right. <laughs> so right. I love that you brought that up because it made me go, oh, you're so right. Why am I annoyed when the hand's on the boob at night? It's because I don't feel confident. And of course, that's a time that's natural to have sex. But you're you're like, schedule it in. Or before yeah. you take off the makeup and you still feel pretty. And right. there's no part in. Right. No, that would be and I dis and I disagree. I don't think for everyone that that is a natural time to have sex. Right. So, right. I mean, I'm just saying it could, you know, sometimes be or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no. it, I, I think if you're on vacation, that's different. You know, that's a yeah. whole. I, we have a whole other conversation about all our best eggs on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's why it's important to do that when you can. Yeah. I mean, if you can get away for a night, that will do yeah. wonders yeah. for your relationship. Um, but also. You, you know, giving yourself permission. The thing is, is that we we sometimes neglect to let our partner in, right? So let's say that you do, you are going to give yourself permission. You know what? This is off the table for me. I'm not doing this during the week at night when I'm in bed. I'm not doing it. In the morning when the kids go to school, yes, that is a great time for me. But, you know, we have that, those feelings, that internal dialogue ourselves, but we don't, we're not letting our partner in on it usually. So it's just a matter of being super pragmatic about it. And it's not yeah. very sexy or romantic, but, you know, it's, it's being pragmatic and just saying, you know, or even when you are on vacation, let's say you do a weekend away. Let's say you have really amazing sex the first night and the second night, you just want to watch a movie in your hotel room and just be like not bothered by anybody. It's important to communicate that, you know, yeah. Hey, would you be okay if we just 
can we just watch a movie tonight? Because what happens, Barbara, is if you don't say it, there you feel this between. Yeah, you're you know so that? you're so you right, especially at night or when you're away. It's like this expectation. Yes, you don't. You're so right. Yeah. Yes. So okay, that is something I think it's so helpful to get out in front of that and say. You know, I, I I don't want to disappoint you. I hope this isn't a disappointment. Is it okay if we wait till tomorrow morning? Yeah. And then you then it's like there's there's you don't feel that tension. There's not this thing that you're not talking about. It's like the elephant in the room. And there can be a lot of expectation when you are, you know, new parents or you know, parents of teenagers or you know, because that was always awkward. I always hated that when they, you know, there were always so many kids around and kids in the house, and I'm like terrified that someone's gonna come in and really? you know, where's yeah. a safe place? Can we go in the closet? Can we, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or do we just wait till they go to school and then you worry yeah, about when they drive, they come yeah. back home for something. They had a zero period you didn't know about. But so I think that that's really important is just to be, you know, kind of be, get out in front of those things and just put it out there. And then yeah. it's not this sort of awkward wondering and expectation. And, and then, you know, another thing too, is like the external environment. I think we talked about this before of like, you know, there are factors involved of, you know, your, the habits of your partner, you know, are they a night owl? Are they morning people? Um, How many kids do you have? What's your home environment like? What's your bedroom like? Is it romantic? Is it clean? Is it also your office space? I mean, for a lot of people, especially during COVID, that was a big problem because people were turning their bedrooms into their office space. And even I can remember, I used to have a stack of books on the side of my you know, on my nightstand and it was all, they were all parenting books. So it was kind of for work. I would, I would say, you know, when I was teaching all those parenting classes at one time. So it was, but it was a stressor for me that I didn't even realize at the time, but that I I would find myself so distracted by that stack of books by my bed. So I think somebody helped me figure that out. I don't remember who it was. It might've been a therapist who kind of helped me figure out, oh, I have, cause we, we actually went to someone, we went to a sex therapist because we were sort of in this, and it was mostly me. I was having a lot of um, difficulties and just, you know, I, my drive was really low and I was feeling really uncomfortable just in my house and my body and my, you know, and so we, she had some really practical ideas like that. Like, you know, she asked me to draw a picture of our bedroom and I was like, Hmm, okay, that's interesting. Um, well, this is what it looks like. And then she asked specific questions about what was on my nightstand and that sort of helped me figure out, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's why I feel so distracted all the time. Thinking about something else. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about the fight I have with my teenager today. And I'm also trying to have, you know, meaningful, enjoyable sex with my husband. Totally. No, that's, I love that you bring that up because I think we all are like, oh, huh. Yeah. Either the, the work has trickled into our bedroom, which if we can be just like a clean space where we can be present, maybe not have pictures of our kids on our nightstands, like looking at us, you know, I mean, like I was just thinking of just different things, you know, and, uh, just being more mindful of your space where you're most likely to be intimate with your partner to have it be more like a, Oh, maybe we want a speaker in there. Cause we like music. Okay. Yes. Let's like be more mindful. Do we want the candles on a remote so we can, whatever gets <laughs> you there. I'm looking yeah. in my living room. I'm like literally looking at different things, but 
<laughs> like what makes you feel the most? And But because I think we just, if we did those little things, it would make it more enjoyable, more easy. And yes. it just is so crazy that that is I, the most intimate act you could be in with someone. You're mm-hmm. naked, you're doing all this stuff, but yet having the conversation or communication about it is scarier than the act itself. It is. Yeah. And so I think be normalizing it in conversations like this is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And because I used to be like, oh my gosh, intimacy is almost like the chicken or the egg. Because I find that with talking to a lot of my friends, because of course I'm that friend that's like, well, I'll just get deep and like talk about anything. Yeah. I love it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like for for in the conversation. So in the conversations, most of the men were like, they wanted to get intimate and then they would be connected where a lot of the females would be connected before they got intimate. And it's kind of like, well, who's going to give because one's got to happen. And then I was like, well, and I was thinking about that in my own relationship of like, okay, well, what if what this time we just start with the you know, action. And then we get connected. And while right. we're connecting, I say, I love this. And you know what this does? Cause I, I feel like if you plant those seeds or let people know your partner of like, Hey, when we are like, if you give me a hug or if you do this, I, I'm like a sure thing. Yes. Right. Here's <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, here's the, there's the case in my kingdom. Here's right. Like what <laughs> husband isn't going to be like, thank you. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Likewise, they could be like, "Hey, when you put on whatever, that is awesome." You know, it's just fun, and then you're on the same team, and it's not so much like you're like in a match where, like you said, missing each other. I just love because you brought up so many of these things, and it really woke up my mind. And I'm like, how many years have I had sex, been having sex with the same human being? Right. And it's, there's going to be like our body changes. You brought up like our sex drive could go down, especially with menopause and all these chemical things that are happening. So things are going to happen and we need to get ahead of it or communicate about it and, you know, figure it out because it is figure outable, but it's having the conversation. (laughs) It is. It's, and it's hard and it's awkward. I mean, you know, and there's also just something to be said for saying, you know, this is super awkward. I feel so uncomfortable. It's very hard for me, believe it or not, to talk about sex. It really is. It's just so uncomfortable for me. And even with my husband. So he know, you know, I don't, we don't have a face-to-face conversation about right. it. It's a side-by-side. Yes. You know? I love, yes. Right. I mean, I, I can't do that. it. I just can't do like it. On a walk yep. or yeah. Driving in a car, question. anything side-to-side. <laughs> Right. And sometimes I'll show him things like, you know, I think that it's taken me a long time to sort of realize to like, you know, I think one thing that women don't really talk about is our own satisfaction. And, you know, I think it tends to be a little bit more of like a chore and like, you know, let's, let's, you know, got to, I, you know, check it off the list of things to do, you know, be a good wife and be a good partner. And right. So I'm going to, you know, do the obligatory, but then one of the therapists that we went to really helped me. She said, you know, can you not see yourself as a sexual being who really needs this connection as well? Yeah. And someone who really enjoys it. And if you're not enjoying it, you need to figure out how to. And yeah. that was like, yeah, 
why don't I think of myself that way? And I don't know, probably childhood things, probably body image thing, you know, probably there's probably a myriad. I, I think it's probably a complicated reason, but you know, when you do start to think about it in that way, and then even talking to your girlfriends about it, you yeah. know, like, so what do you do? <laughs> you know, what helps you? Cause it's hard. It's hard to have an orgasm. I mean, it just is. Right. Yeah, and you'll get ideas from other people. Exactly. And, and then it's like, Hey, I just heard this or. Yeah. yeah I mean, I remember we had a, sorry, I'm going to grab my, my, I think uh, that's why 50 cord. shades of gray was such a hit. Is oh. it like, Oh, yeah. I mean, it just brought up the topic in like a fun way. And then it started those conversations with your friends and you're like, Whoa, would you ever do that? Have you ever done that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, absolutely. For the most part, no, there's not, but Uh, no, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I, I will never forget. We had a parent ed instructor for a few years. She was a therapist and, um, she, she was so wonderful. She was in one of my classes and then she went on to teach, um, one of the baby's classes and she shared one time just sort of, um, in passing how they had had a conversation about sex in their class and that she was talking to them about vibrators. (laughs) And I go, oh, we can talk about that. We can actually say that. And she's like, of course. Like, I mean, I think, I think it's important. She's like, it's an important part of my sexual health. Yeah. And I love the way she put it. And I love the way she normalized it. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about it. And I did, I mentioned it in my, cl- in my talk when I did, you were probably there that day, but I, but I mentioned it and there was like this collective sigh in the room of like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so glad it's not just me. Right. Yeah. I mean, remember we used to have those little parties in town ta- in La Cunata. We used to have oh, yeah. little- the sex toy parties. Yeah. Yes. Sex toy but parties. It was more like, you know, it was so like giggly and everything, but everyone's <laughs> like, well, I didn't get one. I was laughing on the way. And then it's like, well, I have it. And I think it's like you said, it's so good to bring up because it for men, it's like, of course they talk about like, of course they masturbate. It'd be weird if they didn't like, yeah. are you a man if you don't do it? But yeah. then with women, it's this different, like, Oh, like, yeah. it's like, Oh, she's slutty. She does this. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me, you know, or, or, or she's just having a fantastic sex life right. with her husband and they're really good. Like right. great at connecting that way. And I think that is so good that you brought that up as well about like that. It's not a chore. You right. can have find pleasure as much as your husband does. And right. if you're not, if something's not working for you, like try new things, communicate exactly. about that or ask your friends and be like, Hey, I want to do this or this right. works for so-and-so let's exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it really is just a matter of reframing the way. And again, I'm not, I, I have had people come up to me after talks and say, you are describing my husband. I am the aggressor in our relationship. I am the initiator. So I don't want to make this blanket statement. You know, I am only speaking for me in my, in my marriage, I have had to really reframe my thinking about sex with my husband because it was always for him. It was never for me. And once I started really rethinking that and sort of reprioritizing wait a minute. Okay. Well, and I remember it kind of just making the, the, the decision. Okay. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it more. Um, because I know how important it is to my husband 
And how can I make it just as important to me? Well, you got to figure out what works. (laughs) You got to figure out what feels good, frankly. And then there's something in it for both of you. You know, it doesn't have to just be this one-sided thing. And it goes for men and for women, you know, it goes both ways. So So, both partners want each other to be in pleasure and they want the mutual. So the, the more someone can get there, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, also being really aware, Barbara, of what interferes with our, with our intimacy, you know, the, the multitasking mind that never stops. And that could be work related parenting. It could be life, you know, um, family dynamics, um, and then our own inhibitions, of course, um, any negative thoughts that we have towards our our um, partner. I mean, you know, if, if we're, if we're angry about something, if we have some unresolved conflict around something, a, a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who work all that out yeah. through sex. Yeah. That does not work for me. If yeah. I have a, I can't do it. I can't just, you know, I can't like not pretend, but I can't just, you know, put it on the back burner and, but I do have friends that, that work it out that way. I have friends that have very contentious marriage relationships with their husbands and amazing sex. Yeah. So uh, it happens. Yeah. And everyone has their own like vibe in the whole, yes. I don't know what else to call it. I guess their own way of what sex is to them and what they, what they get out of it and what they want in it. But yes. I just like, for the most part that it should be a pleasurable thing that connects you both. Right. And if it's not, figure out how it can be and communicating exactly. how it, it they, the other person, what they can do or what you can do or what you like. I love the, when you said this, not scheduling, but being like, Hey, I'm more of a morning person or afternoon delight. There's a song about it. Like there's yes. something to that or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, because when I'm going and I've tucked kids in, I'm like, I am tired. I'm not right. feeling my spunky self. Right. Um, you know, sometimes sure. But I I just think it's so good to for yourself be aware. Yes. And just checking and, in. And, yeah. And make sure your partner knows that about you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no. like, you know what? Actually, probably 95% of the time it's not gonna happen at night. So Let's just be okay with that and figure out when it is going to happen and when it's going to work for both of us. And then it takes all this pressure off. You feel yeah. this weight lifted that you can just snuggle in bed and watch a movie or, you know, or read your book or, you know, have your own time yeah. for yourself. Totally. It's okay, but we don't share it with our husbands or, you know, with our, with our partners. We, and we usually don't communicate it in the right way. Yeah. You know, it's usually like in the moment. And now we've rejected them, which feels like shit. We've all been there. Yeah. It's embarrassing and humiliating, even though, you know, you've been together for 30 years and it's still embarrassing and humiliating. You know, I've heard so many of my friends be like, well, we haven't done it in a while. I have to do it. Like, oh, got to do it. And it's like, I just don't want to be in that position. I want to be like, oh, I'm excited to do it. And grant, and, and it is cyclical or whatever, you it know, something to get me out of it. it whether is. I'm stressed about something or there's a lot of other things on my brain. I'm not more privy to it, but I think 
being aware is the biggest part of it, I think. And you, and having, hearing that conversation and knowing it's normal and, and right. knowing it's possible easily. And don't, and don't you think too, Barbara, just here, like what you were just saying about the, you know, things being cyclical. It's also like the, the whole kindness concept of, yes. you know, kindness begets kindness. I think in my relationship, sex begets more sex. Generally yeah. speaking, oh, for what sure. happens is the more that you're having it, the more you're thinking about it and just thinking about it makes you want it, you yeah, know, totally. so it's sort of this cycle of, and then you go through dry spells and that's okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. also a good time to sit, to practice these skills that we're talking about of like, you know, Hey, it's been a while. Are you okay with that? Like, are you feeling like I am? I'm feeling a little bit like it's been a while. You know, so so then it's kind of like you're putting it out there. You've you've addressed the elephant in the room. That's that's so much of it is I just think there's like this discomfort around addressing this thing. Yeah. And that's what happens in marriage over and over and over again is that we don't want to address the elephant in the room, whatever it is. So we keep avoiding it and we keep dancing around it and we keep pretending instead of facing the fear and saying, we've got to talk about this. This yeah. is not working for me. It's, it's yeah. hard. It's really, really yeah. hard to do. Yeah. And I, I just, I love that you're able to talk about this and share it. And because it isn't something anyone should feel guilty about. And it's yeah. such an important part of our, our, our marriage, right. That it's, it and, and there's, there's learn different things. There's help out there too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of help and resources. If there, if, if there's an issue with your sex life and you, and you know that it's more than, than what it should be, or, you know, you're, it's really causing friction and conflict between you and your partner, find some help, find some support. There, there are so many wonderful resources available to us. I mean, I didn't even know that sex therapy was a thing. But, yeah. it, you know, and then yeah. of course I'm so naive. I'm like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you have sex and they observe you. Right. Like they're, they're I, not, oh, I think yeah. a lot of people have thought that page, you're not alone. I'm like, no. wait, what does that entail? Are we on a phone call here? <laughs> no, it's so, it was so yeah. good for me because the whole, the whole conversation, the whole session, you're talking about sex. You're talking about this thing, this elephant in the room, in my case, that I just was so uncomfortable talking about, but it really helped me learn how to talk about it. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. And so generous that I love that you're always like, I paid a lot of money and yes. got really good people and really yeah. good help. So yeah. it makes me feel good to share it. Yeah, and it's exactly. so appreciated. It's so appreciated. <laughs> it's like it. I used to always say, I'll read all the parenting books so you don't have to. Yes, which everyone appreciates and is like, yeah. thank you. I just have them as like decoration at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are, they're very guilt inducing. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially if you leave them on your bedside table unopened. Yes. Well, especially the way you take the information and deliver it is always in the best way and just wow. stress reducing instead of stress adding. So it, oh. you have such a gift with that. And that's why I can't get enough of you, Paige. Thank you are just you. the best. And so thank sweet. you for handling the elephant in the room. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Our bedrooms. The elephant in the bedroom. <laughs> of so course. I am going to definitely make sure I'm going to look around my, I'm going to reassess my bedroom. Yeah. And I think that's a big component, like you said, 
of getting the clutter out, making it a space where you feel like at ease and enjoy instead of like piles of this and not pretty. I think a huge, it's also, we had someone on with feng shui and she said, that's a really big thing of just like clearing that space. It's the first thing you see in the morning. And like you said, if it's where you're the most intimate and like you you want it pretty and not stressful. So I think- Remove as many distractions as you can because you you both already have enough. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one of my ahas. That was big. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Paige, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you. Um, And I definitely want to get back on another time and talk about the ground rules for effective fighting and the attachment rules. Attachment styles. Attachment styles. Yeah, Yeah. let's do it. I mean, I, I think it's great. It's really, really good stuff. And I, I haven't think heard it. Be, it's, I think it'd be interesting, you know, maybe not something that people have heard a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. It is just so nice to have those conversations that you might not feel safe or comfortable having with other people and someone that is so generous and vulnerable and sharing these hard parts in their relationship. It's just hard. I think so many of us want to be showing just the good stuff of that we're fine, we're fine, because sometimes when things aren't happening the way we had hoped them to happen, that it's scarier once we shed light on it. But really, when we share these things or open with people or open to accepting help or tips in any way, we can thrive in those areas a lot more. And so I'm just so grateful when Paige is doing this. And I mean, I myself have been married almost 20 years and it's a journey. It's a journey with yourself. And then this other person that is so intimate and and, in just every which way, intimacy in all the ways. So there were so many good takeaways on this episode. I just hope you received any tips or any helpful advice that she had to share, please share this episode with anyone you think this will help out. I mean, I think we all have areas that we could grow in and need help in. And especially when she has all this amazing advice from a very expensive source, it's nice to share it in a free way. So please share and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you again for joining us today. We know how many other things you could be doing and it means the world to us that you're here. We hope you always get something valuable from our podcast and that you feel supported. If you have a question for us about our content or anything else, please leave it in your review of this podcast or you can send us an email or DM us on Instagram. We're here for you. So let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. You can join our membership by clicking on the link in the show notes. You are never alone in parenting, and we're here to support you at every stage. If you know anyone that would be inspired or supported by this podcast, please share it with them. We provide content every week, so please subscribe wherever you're listening from. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We're so excited about this giveaway. We only introduce brands to our community that align with our values, and Barbara and I both love the Now Tone Therapy System. This yoga for your mind is one of the most simple ways to relax, relieve stress and anxiety. The creators recommend listening twice a day for only three minutes to receive these benefits or to listen as often as you like. And if you buy them, there's a risk-free three-month trial period. What we like best about Now Tone Therapy System is that it's something everyone can make time for. My family likes to listen first thing in the morning and at the end of each day. It's the easiest and most relaxing path 
mindfulness daily. We'll link to this amazing product in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time.